family's name. My great-grandfather, my grandfather. When I was born, this place became mine. It is all mine. And I do own you. I do own you. Get out. I said get out. Get out. Get Don't you hear them, Stephanie? They're saying no. They are saying no. We are not leaving until we get what we want. And Hunter, you know exactly what we want. And what the WWE wants is more of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with your host, Corey Richmond, and as I'm always joined by, Jason Brooks. Jason, you ready to do another one of these shows? I'm ready, and I apparently am not going to have school tomorrow or work tomorrow because we're expecting like 12 inches of snow, even though it was 55 degrees today. So I, I guess I'm in a good mood. We had a lot of sunshine today, which we don't always have in Rochester. Now we're going to have a snowstorm tomorrow, which will enable me to have off tomorrow. So I'm, I'm all right. I'm in a good mood today. Now we'll see if you're in as good a mood in a few minutes when we start talking about this week's batch of wrestling. Uh, we're going to start out with uh, what we usually start out with, uh, Monday Night Raw. And you heard from the top with uh, our show today, Daniel Bryant is going to get his match against Triple H. Now, over the last couple of weeks, the, uh, the fans have been more and more vocal about what they want. And even though the way it started before they went to commercial with, you know, seven or eight geeks, you know, rolling into the ring and some figuratively actually rolling into the ring with Daniel Bryant. I thought, oh, my. The poor not in exceptional shape. His, the yes movement, those people were not, they weren't eating salads, Corey. <laughs> yeah, this one guy who was smiling, sitting next to him, looked like he had to be like a 70 years old who was just sitting there at one point, you know, with a camera taking pictures of uh, Daniel Bryant during, uh, during the segment, which I thought was pretty funny. But when they came back from break, that segment, at least in my opinion, was by far the best segment of the show. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, it was a little bit of a bumpy ride getting to this point. But what, you know, like, which we brought up, and I'm going to fully credit, just like I did when it, the initial idea when it happened, uh, Dan Lebransky from uh, the Law Radio went and brought up the idea of Triple H facing Daniel Bryan at the beginning of the show. Winning and then having a shot at the title, being in a three-way, that's exactly what happened. I want to give full credit to him for that idea, which we both loved when we heard. But, uh, Jay, let me uh, let me know. What do you think of that segment, and where do you think we go from here? So I thought it was, obviously, it was awesome. Um, at first, and I put this on Twitter, uh, we're on Twitter at Work Shoot Pod, Live Shoot Raw, Live Tweet the Pay-Per-View, so on and so forth. Corey Live Tweeted. Uh, lockdown for the 500 people who watched. Um, so it was it was a great segment. At first, when the, the the you know the jobbers basically the yes movement jobbers were rolling into the ring, I thought, oh, this could be really stupid and annoying. And then they came back from break and there were a quadrillion people in the ring, which I thought was interesting. Uh, they did a good job, you know, kind of throwing them throwing them in, but not having them do too much. Uh, I thought Stephanie was amazing. And it was interesting, and I was thinking about this while I was watching, Stephanie was almost like Triple H's manager. Trying, She's almost like keeping him under control. And then when things kind of came out as to what was going to happen at WrestleMania, Triple H just went berserk. Um, I, I always say this, I've said this, you know, basically every week on this podcast, I think Stephanie has been a tremendous heel. I think she's been everything that Dixie Carter and TNA would like to be, but is not. I think so, and that's because, you know, Stephanie, it sounds like it might actually be coming from the heart in terms of her owning the company and how angry she got. And, um, it, you know, for a long time, the authority have been under control. Even if they've been upset, they've still been under control. They still kind of, you know, know what's going on. They were unhinged last night. And it was really interesting seeing both Stephanie and Triple H being unhinged. I thought it was really, really well done. And um, I'm, I mean, you know, and I, I put this on Twitter too. They gave us what we wanted, and it took them a long time to get there. And we always say, 
in the 80s, these angles with Hulk Hogan that would last a year, the mega powers thing, you know, the ultimate war. These things would last for a year. You know, we got a storyline that's lasted, that's been since SummerSlam, basically. And, it, you know, yes, the fans were pissed. They made the fans pissed. Maybe they intentionally made the fans uh, this upset. I don't know. I doubt it. But, but I don't, I guess, and I guess that's the question too, Corey, is how much was this planned? And, you know, we've been talking about this taking over crowd and hijacking Raw and all this craziness. How much did the crowd actually play into what what what's happening here? I or, think... Or was this, or was this orchestrated by... Because there was something that was said, and I put this on Twitter, this is like a month and a half ago. And I said, I think the WWE is fooling us. I think they're swerving the IWC, the internet wrestling crowd. I think they're swerving people. So I don't know. I, I I feel like I feel like maybe the crowd helped, but I feel like they may have swerved the crowd. I really do. Well, I think if uh, and hopefully this might be the only time we mention him on the whole entire show. I think if CM Punk had not went and left, I don't think we get this. I think that the general plan was, which we've discussed in the past, was that Daniel Bryant was going to go and uh, have his uh, rematch from, I guess, two years ago's WrestleMania against Sheamus. That's where he was slotted in. Triple H was supposed to face CM Punk. And you were supposed to have uh, Batista versus Randy Orton as your as your title match. CM Punk, you know, getting worn out and leaving opened up the door for, uh, for changes. And they realized that, you know what, this is something that could work. And they went in this direction. So, I mean, until, you know, someone else proves this differently, I think that if it wasn't for CM Punk leaving, we would not, this, this would not have happened. What about Royal Rumble when they intentionally did not put Brian in the Royal Rumble match? That was before they knew Punk was leaving. Because I think that, that were, at this point, the way I'm looking at it now, Corey, that was completely intentional. I don't I, think it was an accident. You know what? I honest, I don't agree with you. I think that they they had no idea that the fans were going to go and crap on Batista the way they did. The first night Batista was back on that Raw, ratings were were higher than they had been in a while. Batista was got a huge ovation. Walking into that match, they did not know that the fans were. Of course, no one realized how bad it was going to actually be. And trust me, I don't think they would have put Rey Mysterio Jr. in as number 30 to get booed out of the building the way he did if they realized initially how this was all going to play out. But I think they thought that Batista was going to be Rock Jr. We all know he's not, but it would have been the Rock Jr. Comes in, gets a huge ovation, former guy who was a former star, has done some movies, could have a big movie coming out, would be able to go rocket on the back of his success or perceived success coming out with the Marvel movie. And he was going to go and headline against Randy Orton, the guy that was everyone hated as a heel. And they would have, you know, this big thing with the Hollywood celebrity coming in, winning the title, and, uh, you know, moving the gravy train. McCoy, you had the biggest babyface in the company at this point. You know, let's say John Cena's the biggest. but he, So he's the second biggest babyface in the company. They had him lose in the opening match of the show. And then he didn't appear again. You don't think that was intentional? He didn't appear again on the whole show. He's the second or third biggest, well, I mean, second biggest babyface in the company, good guy for you guys. The second biggest good guy, babyface in the company. And he lost in the opening match and we didn't see him again for two and a half hours. You don't think that was, you don't think that may have been intentional? It might have been intentional in the idea that they wanted to go. And build this guy's support, but and I don't to go against to go against Sheamus. Who gives a crap again about Sheamus? I think I think the WWE cares about Sheamus a lot more than we do. Yeah, but you have Sheamus as what a bad guy. What he'd attack him. I think the I initial know. idea was for Sheamus to turn heel, freshen up the character, which they wound up just doing the opposite with you know as they insult Christian every week, and that that feud will never end. They went to that Christian become the bad guy, and Sheamus is still the. Uh, the face, but I really think what they were doing here with Christian and Sheamus, to another extent, would have been slotted in what they're doing now, 
with, you know, Seamus. I think that it was right place, right time. And I honestly believe that the WWE, and they may still not, I mean, I think they would be totally ridiculous and would have a huge backlash from the fans who really wouldn't matter because, you know, they'd still have given their 60 bucks for the network and they're not getting it back. But if WrestleMania does not end with uh, the yes chant, with him holding the title on top, I think they've made a huge mistake. And I think they, I'm thinking they realize that right now. But I don't know really how much they truly believe in Daniel Bryan. Yes, he's, his T-shirt sales have gone up over the last couple of month or two. But when he was on top, I understand it was bad booking. But when he was on top, those, those buy rates or those pay-per-views were nothing special. I mean, could you? I love Daniel Bryant. You love Daniel Bryant. But Daniel Bryant might be a draw inside the arena. But ratings haven't been an all-time great with him as, a, as top of the company. And they haven't exactly went and sold pay-per-views. I understand pay-per-views aren't going to matter anymore, at least domestically. But he wasn't exactly, you know, moving the needle. I understand. Can... I, I also think that stuff takes time. I mean, how, how much do we know how many any of these guys sell pay-per-views? How many pay-per-views does Batista? We know who sells pay-per-views. The Rock, Stone Cold, John Cena. That's, I mean, that's kind of where it begins and ends. We don't know what these guys bring in as far as pay-per-view revenue. Randy Orton, to my knowledge, no one's ever said, I need to buy a pay-per-view, or I need to buy you know, 200,000 people say, I need to buy a pay-per-view because Randy Orton's on it, yet he's in the main event of all these shows. So I don't... Yeah, but you know what? When... But maybe, McCoy, maybe that's what they gave us, the perception that he wasn't the guy. But Maybe that was the point, to give us that perception that he wasn't. But you know what? When Vince McMahon is not on this one, but on the third quarter conference call... They does for the stock when he's going and he's basically downgrading the idea that Daniel Bryan at the time was a big draw and no, was a major deal. Him, but then why are they putting him in the main event of WrestleMania? For the same reason why it, it took almost six months after when Jeff Hardy was the biggest thing on SmackDown where they were going apeshit crazy for him and they didn't want to do anything with him for almost six months. The WWE is dense, but in the long run, they usually come around. Just because they don't think it's the best thing for business, and I have the air quotes in the air as I say that because I think it's a, a silly term, but you know what? At a certain point, they realize that even though they don't think it's the right thing, for the short term, short term, let's take the fans' money, give them what they want, and in the long run, we'll show you exactly what's right. And look, I mean, I know it's a much lesser extent, and he's nowhere as good in the ring or on the mic or anything else, but look what they did with Zack Ryder. The fans went and pushed, pushed, got pushed down our throats. Fans loved him. They gave him, you know, a two- or three-month push. Now Zack Ryder is, you know, doing another, you know, internet show to try for a third time to go and have any sort of a push. That, that's great. Corey, people in Long Island and New York City care about him because he was from New York City. Uh, he didn't have those, the, the, the lasting impact that someone like Brian has. I uh, hope, I, you know what? I hope you're right. But I mean, and I hope, and I, like I said, I've been rooting for Daniel Bryan when he was known as, I know this is an awful thing to say, Brian Danielson and Ring of Honor. I was a fan of him when he was initially calling himself the best in the world. And when you heard the song Final Countdown as he came to the ring. As the American Dragon. I have been a huge fan of his for, you know, eight or nine years or out even longer. So I'm one of those guys who was happy as, you know, a pig and you know what when he went and got his chance. Even when he was, you know, being humiliated on NXT each and every week. The guy has something, but it's taken the company a very long time to figure that out. And you hope when everything is said and done, if he is nothing more than a, an upper mid carter. This is his moment to shine, and hopefully, is, hopefully, people go and you know yeah. do something and buy his T-shirts. You know, are telling people at you know are going to live shows when he's headlining, and John Cena's not there. If they're going to still have you know brand splits where some shows will be headlined by Cena and other ones will be headlined by Daniel Bryant, let's hope beyond hope that he goes and in three or four you know not three or four years, how about a year from now. He's still one of the guys that's on the top of the card, and it's just not the yes chant is not just replaced what, and Daniel Bryan's a mid card guy. So okay. that's all I'm saying. All right, well, okay, that's fair. 
And I understand that in the third quarter, you know, McMahon said the thing about basically Daniel Bryan being the reason why pay-per-views weren't as strong. He still did headline every pay-per-view, I believe, the second half of the year. From SummerSlam on, I think he headlined almost every pay-per-view, except for the um, when they started doing this thing with the, when they uh, combined the, the show? When they... When they combine a title. And also the thing with the big show, with, you know, show. coming back, show. you know, instead of, you know, owning the company, he went and got a title match and got his job back for 10 minutes, and then he was oh, out of the, end of the main event. The big part of all those pay-per-views. So, you know, I don't I don't know, Corey. I think they may have pulled the wool over our eyes. And, and again, we'll see. But, Corey, if they have this guy, and I know they had the Miz win at the main event of WrestleMania, but, again, that wasn't what, that wasn't, the story. That was in the story. If they have this guy win the main event of WrestleMania, that's it. It's over. He's a guy now. Hey, and like I said, agree, I mean... You do not disagree. I'm hoping you're right. I agree the fact that for that moment he'll be a guy, but I'm... How many people won the main event of WrestleMania who, who aren't a guy? We'd have to look, which, you know, I wish you told me ahead of time and I would have printed out a list. No, um... Insert laugh that did not come at that point. Um, and there's the laugh. Woohoo! Um, but you know what? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are guys who went, and at the time we thought they were going to be big, and in the long run it never it never turned out. This is this is his opportunity to be the man, and let's hope he can be. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I thought it was a very good segment. I know well, we've... Well, we know he can. We, know, we definitely know he can be. It's whether they... Allow him to be? It's whether it's whether they allow him to be. All right, a couple of WrestleManias. 2001. We're not going to go through all these. But 2001, Rock against Stone Cold. I don't have to tell you about that. Jericho against Triple H. Okay, Jericho was still a big, big guy. Angle against Brock. Uh, Triple H, Benoit, Shawn Michaels. Who? <laughs> Triple H, Batista. Cena, Triple H. Cena, Michaels. The Edge against... Uh, Edge against The Undertaker. Edge was a guy for sure. Uh, Triple H against Orton. Undertaker against Michaels. And the one outlier here is The Miz. He's the one guy in this, you know, and I again, I just looked from 2001. I just, I'm not going too crazy. From 2001, he's the one outlier here. He's it, Corey. He's the only guy that's not a guy. That's not a... Uh, you know, future Hall of Fame. He's the only guy in this list from 2001, which is 13 years ago. So if they're putting him in this match, I think that means they have faith in him, or at least they're really starting to. I, I'm not saying you're wrong by any stretch. I mean, like I said, I'm just hoping in the long run that we're not, you know, sitting here, you know, hopefully we're doing the show in, you know, in another year. We'll be celebrating, you know, a year or two anniversary at some point. And we can actually say that Daniel Bryant is going to be uh, still a main eventer at that point, you know? Yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, you know, you got what? Um, like I said, that wasn't the only thing that was on Raw this week. I mean, you had uh, the furthering of, uh, let's say you want to say, the mid-card feud of a guy that we all hope turns into a major star. And Cesaro and uh, Swagger, which I liked. I thought that was very... I thought that was another entertainment segment with uh, Cesaro where he wanted him to help him cheat, and Cesaro was like, nah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fine. It was fine for what it was. Now, let me ask you this, and this is going to turn into the second part thing we're going to talk about right now. Do they actually have a match, or are they going to get stuck with a bunch of other, you know, mid-level guys... In this uh, Andre the Giant battle royal, which sounds really lame, that you know, for, oh, it sounds so lame. Which for, it sounds so lame. Which for two minutes, you know, John Cena said, "Oh, I'm going to be in it." Then all of a sudden, he was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, that's right. I'm a main event guy. I actually literally, have matches at Mania." Literally, some anything you could have said would have come up that would have been better than this. So I'm not doing it anymore. I mean, no, that's like being at a bar and you're hitting on a girl. And she's not really that attractive. It's the end of the night. You're a little buzzed. And any other woman walks in who's, like, pretty decent, and you're moving on from her very quickly. That's what the Andre the Giant Battle Royal was. 
<laughs> I, can we talk about that for, for one second? Absolutely. God bless them for honoring Andre the Giant, one of the all-time greats in wrestling. First guy to ever be in the Hall of Fame, right? Can't they tie this to, I don't know, a future world title match, a future something? They're just going to have a bunch of jobbers in a match to win this trophy that doesn't mean anything at this point. You know what this truly is? Pretty much every year at WrestleMania, there's a dark match rumble. I mean, a battle royal in order to go and get people a paycheck. And as a result, they're actually making this something so they could actually have this every year. I mean, it's not exactly something that I'm going to be sitting there waiting to see. I mean, I guess if you would have done what you were saying right there, if you would have had where you have this this um, this uh, battle royal and Biggie is not in in it, and then the winner of it gets a shot at the IC title, maybe that would be something interesting. I mean, the IC title and US title have been devalued because I thought. I mean, wait, which which title does he have? I'm sorry, I might be wrong. The Biggie, the the IC. Oh, oh, I got it right. That that title's been devalued to crap, so it wouldn't matter anyway. Um, but I did, yes, I thought about the idea of them doing that, but they're they're not going to do that. They'd be it'd be ridiculous. Let me ask you something, that I, uh, and we'll go back to this in a second. But I was thinking about this, you know, during the uh, the hostile takeover, uh, Roar is Occupy Wall Street or whatever we were calling that segment. So was Damian Sandow? Was did his match ever happen? I mean. Did he was the, was the authority upset that he didn't go go to the ring, so they canceled his match? I mean, did well, the guy he, who was supposed to the, he'll be in the jobber battle royal for sure? I mean, who knows? Who knows? They, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm not crazy about this battle royal. I don't know what they're gonna do with it. Poor Sandow's a uh, you know he's gonna be in that jobber battle royal. But what do you think? Okay, this is a question about the battle royal too. Sure. Do you think they make it a thing? Do you think they make it something where the winner of the battle royal gets a push, like they did for the King of the Ring back in the day? Do you think that a guy gets a push at all? I mean, we don't know until it happens, but do you think that's where they may be leading, you know, leading with that? Because they, they're going to have to, it's the first one, right? So if they make a guy win it, they can't then have him job out on Raw. Job out means lose. They can't have him lose on Raw the next night. Uh, I think you're giving way too much credit to the WWE on that one because, uh, <laughs> you know, people win money in the bank and then for six months they, they don't win a match. So let's be honest. It's not like uh, right away you get a, uh, a payoff for what, what happens. No, you're right. You're right. Um, I, was, I was actually, as we were talking, trying to see if I could find on the WWE website to see if uh, who, if anybody, has been announced for, the, uh, for, for, this, for this Rumble. And I guess we have... Oh, boy. Ryback. <laughs> Shockingly. Uh, Big E. Okay. I think we have Ziggler, but I'm trying to see if I could find it. Because this is great, you know, uh, podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe you have... Whoever's in there is in there. Whoever's in there is going to be Ziggler, Sandow, you know, probably Del Rio, those type of guys. Um, but the bigger question is what they do with what they do with that guy. Right. You know, that's really the, that's really the question. What, what do they do with that guy? I don't know. I mean, if they, maybe they could make something out of it more than it is. They, they didn't make it look good the first night, though. They did not make it look good the first night. Oh, it's, it's very nice to see that. Uh, this is something I just find funny. This is not, we don't have to even talk about this, but as I was watching this morning, the uh, Raw... You had, uh, I think it was Renee Dupree. Not, not Renee Dupree. Oh my God, Renee Young. This one, this guy over here, Jay, is while we were talking, uh, taking a little break early before we start, was watching Judgment Day or something from some year, and it was Renee Dupree, I think, versus John Cena. So right, Renee Dupree was in my head, but uh, Renee Young was talking to uh, LL Cool J and uh, Chris O'Donnell promoting NCIS on. Uh, NCIS LA, which, you know, is going to air before Raw. And I'm just sitting there going, she's asking them, you know, what new stuff we can expect on the show. And all the shows that are on USA Network <laughs> are, are repeats. repeats. <laughs> I'm, just, 
I guess it's new if you don't watch it live. I, I guess, but I'm sitting there going, all right, I love I love Renee Young. She's very pretty. She actually seems to have a head on her shoulders, seems to know what she's talking about compared to some of these other people who announced for the company. But I sat there, and I'm watching that going, okay. And I, this is not one of the finer moments. It. I was not paying attention to it at all. Well, Although LL Cool J looks, looks literally the same that he looked 20 years ago. Yeah, so we, we do we do age well. Us being <laughs> black men. Let's be All right, moving on real quick. Uh, Let's talk about this Paul Heyman, um, uh, you know, Undertaker Lesnar storyline. I thought that first of all, Paul Heyman obviously is the MVP of that storyline. There's no doubt about it, and he's proven his worth in that storyline for sure. I, I, I don't feel like that's, there's that much juice behind it, Corey. I don't. You know, last week I thought Heyman did a good job of wrapping it around, wrapping it around the whole CM Punk thing, and making it about him to a certain extent. But I still don't feel like there's a lot of juice for it. Brock Lesnar is a part-time guy. Um, Brock Lesnar is an ass kicker, and they make him look good. But he is a part-time guy. He hasn't even been there the last couple of weeks. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't feel like that's a match where where people are like, oh my, especially after. How great of a job Sam Punk did last year promoting that match, you know, with Triple H, with Shawn Michaels. I don't know that that's a match that people are like, oh, my gosh, I have to see this. Or if they're like, this is going to be, remember the Randy Orton-Undertaker match where you knew Undertaker was going to win? I feel like this is going more toward that. And is that something that you want as one of his last WrestleMania matches. I mean, I think it'll be a great match because, you know, Undertaker takes a lot of pride in his once-a-year, twice-a-year appearance. But one of the things is that you've got two guys in this feud who can't talk. Undertaker has gotten better over the years with some of his promos, but Brock is terrible. Undertaker's terrible on the mic. And Heyman's doing, you know, the work uh, for two people. He is by far, you know, the best non-wrestler promo guy in the business. And, I mean, anything he's involved with, I have interest in. But you're right. I mean, I don't know. Until we see some sort of physical altercation, most likely, between the two of them, I don't know if I'm going to care. I mean, I care more about that than, you know, I would have cared if you didn't add Daniel Bryant to uh, the main event picture and... I think we basically now know that Undertaker versus Brock is not the main event of Mania. I think we could agree on that. Yeah, I agree. They do some, they'll do, you know, again, eventually we'll talk about the layout, but, you know, Triple H, Brian, Brock, and Undertaker. Or do you do, I think you may, may have to do Brian and Triple H right before the match because I think people are going to be just going crazy waiting for that match. I don't know. Or maybe you give Brian a rest. I don't know how they're going to do well, that. Well, I think uh, before we take a, a quick break, uh, I think what they'll do is, well, I think we discussed this either last week or a couple weeks before, I think the format of Mania will be one one main event caliber match per hour. So I think you'll most likely see at the beginning of uh, the first hour main event, you'll have Triple H versus uh, Daniel Bryant. Your second hour main event You'll have John Cena versus Bray Wyatt. Your third hour main event, you'll have Undertaker versus Brock. And then to end the show, if they have any brains in their heads at all, you'll have the you'll have the three way match between you know uh, Orin, Batista, and Brian. Yeah, that sounds good. I think that's a, I think that's a layout that would be um, that does make sense. And as the card gets closer, we'll talk about it more. Um, and you know we'll kind of see how that how that plays out. Now we'll be back in a few moments with a lot more of the Work Shoot Wrestling podcast. And uh, if you'd like to go and follow us on Twitter, once again, you know, that's at symbol Worked Shoot Pod. And we'll be back in a few moments, fellas. If I beat you at WrestleMania 30. I get added to the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match so that then the main event would be Randy Orton versus Batista versus Daniel Bryan! 
triple threat match. Oh, <laughs> what? Oh, man. Hunter's going to blow a gasket here. Here it yeah. comes. Here it comes. Oh, thank you. Why are you throwing a fit, Hunter? Why are you throwing a fit? Why are you throwing a fit? You get all of it. You get me. You get your deal. Get out of my ring, and I am going to end this at WrestleMania. You can bet your ass. And if you really had to bet your ass, I think I'd rather be doing anything else but watching men in tight outfits. Just saying. <laughs> this is the work no, shoot. We do, we do every week, Corey. We bet our ass on, uh, on tight men. We watch, watch half-naked men in tights every week. Hey, I, we also watch, you know, Stanley Clay and women who uh, make a mockery out, of the, mockery out of wrestling in, you know, tight outfits. Which we do complain about every week, by the way. Which is we very odd. About the women on the show. <laughs> as two healthy heterosexual men, as far as I know, you know, us complaining about women in cl- in small outfits about uh, really seems weird when you think about it. You know, it does. It does. And look at that. We were just like the uh, the Kitchen Sink podcast. We didn't tell you who we were for uh, for like 35 seconds. Uh, this is Corey Richmond and joined by Jason Brooks, just like always. And uh, we're going to continue talking a little bit about the ups and downs in This Week in Wrestling, a.k.a. Monday Night Raw at the moment. And uh, the way Raw started, which we already said, was with Hogan coming out and flubbing once again, you know, the battle royal, which telling you know telling everybody that there'll be three people instead of thirty participants, which I thought was kind of funny. But as a result of that, we had Cena say that he wanted to be in it for you know a minute, then realized there was more important things to do, like anything else. <laughs> but we had uh, the Wyatts come out, which got everything back on track, and Wyatt gave a very good promo with telling people if you look at me. Straight on, you know, I'm a god, and if you look above your friends, and if you look below your enemies, whatever, you know, I'm not giving that promo by any stretch the judge justification it deserves. I thought it was a very good, solid, once again, promo by Wyatt, but what followed really bothered me. And this is something that Cena does a lot, where when Cena wants to be serious and impassioned, he gives very good promos. But all of a sudden, he tries to make things lighthearted. And he goes and he basically runs down his opponent. And if he was facing someone like, you know, Batista, Orton, Brock Lesnar, and he decided to go run him down and make fun of his character, someone who's been there for, you know, a long, long time, that's fine. But when you're going and you're describing Bray Wyatt, who you're trying to go and build and get over as a credible heel, and you're basically telling him he looks like a homeless guy, you know, and all these wonderful things he said about his character. I had a little bit of a problem with. I mean, maybe he basically you... called him Husky Harris. He basically called him Husky Harris, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm just glad there wasn't a Husky Harris chant as a result of that. But, you know, do you have a problem with the fact that, you know, you're trying to get this guy over and then Cena trying to go and be, you know, funny Cena, which he's never good at. He's basically, you know, running down his opponent who, if at any point you needed somebody not to be run down, it would be Husky Harris. Oh, I'm sorry, look at that. I, I screwed it up because... You know, for after that promo, it felt like Bray Wyatt wasn't a major player. Yeah, I agree. I didn't like that part. Um, I, I Triple H has done that in the past quite a bit, where he, you know, really runs people down. And I, I've never. Oh, you mean the B like plus, uh, the B plus player, and uh, the troll, yeah. and all that stuff. Well, he's done that too. But even when he was, you know, on top, he would like run guys down. I, yeah, I don't like that stuff. I just this is the thing. People complain about complain about Cena. I think Cena puts guys over. I think he does a good job. I just don't think they made Bray Wyatt look good. I mean, his promo was a very, very serious promo, and he didn't need to be as serious. He could have been funny, but in the way he was funny, I think he made Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt, I'm sorry, look like a look kind of like a like a he made him look like a jobber. Yes, like, and uh, I'm just—I'm basically just laughing at you, even though I know you're trying to be serious. I'm just laughing at you, and, you know, almost like the uh, Del Rio Batista storyline when Del Rio's like, "I'm gonna break your arm," and Batista laughs at him and walks away. You know where he doesn't take him seriously. It was similar to that. Now I don't know that in the next couple of weeks they're going to do a better job 
But I definitely thought they made him seem, they made Bray seem a little weak there. Now I guess uh, Cena's no longer injured. Didn't it feel like, you know, he was favoring anything now? It looked like, uh, hey, I'm fine. I'm not, you know, this as, isn't as a big deal. All, as we all suspected, yeah. You know, he's got the, uh, an injury that really is not an injury again. Um, now I know that the face of the company, the true face of the company, mostly to speak about more, but something that both of us truly love, the best heel faction in the in the business right now, the Shield. Now we're having the slow burn, and maybe some people think too slow of a burn of uh, this this group possibly splitting up. But uh, once again, they were one of the best things on the show. They had a, a very good tag team match against the Rhodes brothers, who. In their own right, looks like they've been lost ever since they lost the titles, which makes you wonder: are they are they a team that needs needs titles to be over? I don't know. But more important thing is, you wanted to talk about the Shield and the Summit from SmackDown. All right. Well, first of all, I think the Shield, especially looking at how they build stables now, are one of the best stables of all time. I think we can we can say that really even though they haven't been there that long. Um, so the, the SmackDown Summit was awesome, how they set that up. You know, Rollins said he did this for the betterment of the team, and he wanted to show that they could come together, and even though they were divided, and um, those guys were, like, slapping each other around, and, um, you know, and they you know got themselves on the same page. And on Raw, they talked about it a little bit, but they didn't show the Summit at all. And I think... The Shield is one of the biggest is the biggest faction in the company currently. One of the biggest all-time factions, in my opinion, and they're on the verge of breaking up. So why not show that on Raw? I didn't think that made sense. Uh, the other thing that was interesting was they had Rollins get the win, which I thought was great. They're putting over his finisher a little bit, which is good. They made them win the match, which was interesting, too. Where do you think they go with it? I was thinking they might do... It may not be a full-on breakup. They may just have a triple threat match for the U.S. title, and then in that match, one of them may turn. I don't know if it's going to be a full turn, because WrestleMania is in a couple of weeks. I think that'd be quick for them to do just a big turn, and then they're all turning on each other. Where, where do you think? Where do you see them going there? Because I thought they would really plant more seeds with them breaking up on Raw, but they didn't, which I thought was interesting. Well, we're, we're recording right now while the uh, main event live taping was going on. So I don't know what happened there. So there might have been more in development. Main event, Corey, nothing. Nothing happened in main event. Okay. I mean. Well, maybe not. Maybe we not. We had Mark Henry versus uh, Dean Ambrose for the U.S. the U.S. title. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe they had something happen there where the breakups, you know, more happened. But like I said, we, we're on the air right now. So we don't know for sure. I'm watching it right now. All right, well, I'll, I'll talk for a second while you tell me what happened. Nothing's happening. It's just a match. It's fine. Go okay. ahead. But um, I'm hoping that I'm wrong, but in the way that they have been building Roman Reigns, I could honestly see the three of them in this 30-man battle royal, and it ends with Reigns, you know, with another accomplishment where Reigns wins the battle royal, and he eliminates uh, the shield to, to win it, and that's maybe you have something like you know bad news, uh, bad news Allen, or bad news Brown, as he was known in the WWE, where you know he went back in the day, destroyed the uh, the trophy that Bret Hart won. May could have something there where they go and they destroy the trophy and attack Reigns, and you could have to split that way, which sounds pretty lame, but I mean that that's, does sound for the, for one for. Such a great... The way they've built this up has been tremendous. I have faith that they're not going to do something that stupid. I mean, that, it wouldn't be... It would just... It wouldn't be impactful enough. Like, well, we why dis- do that? Well, we discussed this be before. We discussed this before, but realistically, how many matches do you think are going to be at Mania? It's a four-hour show. I mean, are you going to get ten matches on the show? I think they could. Because right now, we'll do this quickly. Yeah. We have the world title match. That's yeah, one. one. We have Triple H, uh, Triple H match. That's two. Two. We've got the Cena Wyatt match. Three. We got, we're most like we have the Undertaker versus Brock match. Four. So you have four matches there. I'm guessing you're gonna have a tag team title match. 
Maybe. Okay. Let's. I mean, if 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 the road if uh, the outlaws if Road Dog's back is healthy enough by the time of Mania, I'm guessing you'll have the rematch there. Okay. That's five. You got the the over the top battle royal. That's six. Yeah. I'm guessing you'll have some sort of women's match because you know Total Divas is going to have to be represented on the show. Seven. Uh, unless you have Cesaro and Swagger as you know have have a match or they're part of the 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 battle royal. That's eight. If you if you have them have a singles match. I mean that's eight matches already. I think that'll be a pre-show match. What? Or the, they'll uh, be in a battle royal and they'll do something funky in a battle royal. Or it'll be an after, it'll be a match on the next pay-per-view. Because they're going to need something for the next pay-per-view. So I could see it being something for the next pay-per-view. So right now we have most likely seven guaranteed matches on the card. I mean, does the Shield... What did you say? I said the tag match may be on the pre-show too. I mean, we also have to think about that too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the Usos are starting to get over a little bit more, and I think uh, I the New Age Outlaws. I think they. I think that they'll have them on the, the main card. I mean, probably, I would but think. maybe not. But I mean, you know, you already have seven most likely matches for the card. Do you have? Uh, do you have the Shield in a three way? I mean, what do you do with the Shield? If they're not in a three way match. I guess you know. I think that. I think they. Ha- I mean, I don't really see another scenario other than that. So I mean they're either in the uh, they're either in their own match, or I guess they're part of the thirty man uh, battle royal. I think that'd be such a a poor use of them. I th- I think they'd have to do something bigger than that. They'd have to do something bigger than that. Like I said, I mean, as we can see, there's most likely seven matches on the card. Most WrestleManias have between I guess eight and ten matches. I don't know. I mean, there's still guys. I guess that aren't, you know, in something yet. But I think a lot of guys are just going to get thrown into that that, uh, that battle royal. And I'm afraid yeah. to say that, you know, you, you really might see the uh, the shield in that in that match, and that's where the, the split-up happens. Yeah, I, I think that's possible. I don't see them doing it at the battle royal, but, um, and I, I, won't, I don't like it if they do choose to do that, but it's, it's possible, yes. Now, let me ask you, before we uh, move on to something else, what do you think of Hogan the f- this first couple of weeks we've seen him? Has he been anything of any substance, or has he just been there? I think he's been fine. I mean, he's been fine. I don't think it's anything that's been a significant part of the show. I think he does a good job when he's out there. I think he's doing a good job of putting the, the network over and the product over. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of what it is. I think it's, I think it's fine. I'm going to agree with you. Like I said, I'm not, I've never have been, never will be the biggest fan of Hogan, but I don't think he's done a bad job. He's had a couple of flubs in his two appearances, but he's also shown the profession, the professional that he is. He's been able to, for the most part, correct himself right away. So, you know, I'm not going to give him any problems on that. Uh, now, that summit, that was, we kind of glossed over it, and I wanted you to speak about it a little bit more, but that summit on SmackDown I thought was one of the be- better segments we've had this year. And it really went and showed that these characters all have a little bit of depth to them. Yeah, it showed that they can talk. I mean, Rollins has talked a little bit more um, in the last, I don't know, month and a half or so than he ever talked before. They're really having him talk more. I think he's, I honestly, I think he's doing a really good job. So I, I like where they're going with him, and I like that they're having him talk more, and they're really um, emphasizing him more and emphasizing his offense and showing his kind of, you know, his power and his speed. I mean, you know, the way, what he did with Cody yesterday where he, you know, basically had him on his shoulders and did the power bomb and then did the curb stomp. I, I thought it was awesome. And I think they're doing a really good job with him. Now, this is something that we'll most likely have a lot more time over the next couple of weeks to talk about. But something that's, that's come up recently about the Shield is when they do break up, do you think that all three members are going to survive on their own, or do you go yes. and think that there might be a weak link in the group where one of no, these guys I, may I, not make I think, it? I think they will all be okay. I don't know if they'll all be world champions, but I think they'll all be okay. And I think that's, I think that's why the WWE had as much faith in them as they did, 
why they put them in all these main events, why they've, they, they're on the main event of Raw all the time, why they're always on SmackDown. Because I think the WWE has faith in them as a group and as individuals. They spent a lot of, all three guys spent, a, a, you know, a lot of time in developmental getting ready for this opportunity. And I think that all guys will have an impact on the show, um, some more than others. You know, you know, maybe one guy will be a main eventer, one guy will be a mid-carder, one guy will be like an upper mid-carder. Reigns, maybe main eventer, Rollins, maybe upper mid-card babyface. And Ambrose may be kind of that mid-card heel who always kind of gets heat from the crowd and is in pretty good matches. Now, before we call it a wrap on Raw this week, a match that I thought was kind of was okay last week but was kind of just in the wrong place at the wrong time, once again, for the 437th million time, <laughs> this time in a Memphis street fight or whatever this crap was called, we saw <laughs> Sheamus versus Christian again. Now, I thought it was a much better match. I thought it was fine, fine. But uh, do you think, you know, another match, do you think this match is going to keep on being done and it's going to be a Mania match? Or do you think they'll tire out before that happens? Because, you know, we are talking about Shane. I think the fans are tired of it now. I mean, I hope they don't make it a main event match. Um, Not a main event, a, a match I for mean, Mania. A, a, a WrestleMania match. Um, I don't know. God, what, what else could they do? I mean, they just these guys just beat on each other. I mean, they wrestle good matches, but they just beat on each other every week. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, no, I don't see it being a main event, a WrestleMania match. So I, then maybe, these two guys will be in the thirty uh, man battle royal. Then, the, yeah, that's where that's where I would say they'd be. Gonna, they, they need thirty guys for this battle royal. Hey, JTG so is going to get a WrestleMania payday. Well, I mean, they need to get them from somewhere, so. A lot, of, a lot of the other main event guys are going to be wrestling, so you, got, you have to get the guys from somewhere. And uh, we will be back in a few moments with uh, our final segment, talking a little bit about uh, that dreaded subject, TNA Lockdown, which I actually live-tweeted. Uh, we're not really going to be talking a lot about the actual show because it was what it was, but more about a concept that... I want to run by my buddy over here, Jay, uh, and share with you guys in a few moments. We'll be right back with uh, the final segment of the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast for this week. We uh, always enjoy you guys sticking around and listening. What's going through my mind right now is that I am probably the best talent scout in the business right now because my decision was to bring in these two decision makers, risk takers, and when necessary, rule breakers. And look, man, bottom line, this is the general... We're the army, and tonight we won the war. It's a new time. A new time! It's a new era! Dixie, your time is gone. You can go back to Dixieland and whistle Dixie for all we care because now is the time of the wrestler, the professional wrestler. By the boys, for the boys, you can go back to your office and deal with paperwork. Strong style. And, uh, before we went to break, I went and told you that for the first time ever, I actually tweeted uh, an event, which uh, Jason usually does, and I picked, of course, uh, TNA Lockdown, because uh, I actually watch TNA here and there. Um, but the show, I thought the show was a good show at points, and for a three-hour show and two hours of the show, I thought were pretty solid. It brought something up, because the last hour of the show was not what you call good. And Jason, I know you didn't get a chance to see the show, but you've heard what happened, and you've most likely heard, you know, a lot of the the Brian Alvarez's of the world and the Jason Powells, and you know, people from the law killing this pay per view, saying it's one of the worst pay per views of the year, one of the worst pay per views in a long time, which brought up an interesting thing. The first two hours of the show, everybody worked hard. It was good wrestling matches. The only thing that was a little bit terrible was the uh, Mr. Anderson versus uh, Samuel Shaw match, which, you know, was to be expected because it was kind of gimmick-oriented to begin with. But like I said, you had, you know, Tiger Uno, you had the uh, women all worked hard, but in your co-main event for the world title, you had, and when I say this, Russo-esque booking, referring to Vince Russo, former uh, creative writer for the WWE 
WCW and TNA, which brings back possible rumors that he might be back, you know, writing the darn show. But uh, you had a very good, hard, you know, hard-fought match between Champion Magnus and Samoa Joe. And then all of a sudden, the ring decides to open up, and you see a tattooed arm, and Samoa Joe gets, you know, taken down underneath the mat, underneath the ring. He comes back up looking possessed. Then you see, you know, everyone's favorite uh, monster, Kane ripoff, Abyss, and he goes and, you know, causes, causes Samoa Joe to lose. Then you had, you know, uh, a good but not great main event with the lethal lockdown. And now people are saying this is one of the worst shows in quite a while. But I guess my question for you is, could something happen so terrible that a solid pay-per-view all around turns into a terrible pay-per-view because of something that happens in the show? Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I, I, we talked about this, you know, a few days ago, just, the, just you and I. It can because what sells pay-per-views? The main events. The undercard is great. Great Muda being on there, that's wonderful. It's a nice add-on to the show. But main events sell pay-per-views. That's the way it's always been with Hulk Hogan in the 80s, with The Rock and Stone Cold in the 90s, and with John Cena in the 2000s. That's the way it goes. The main events, the big stars, they sell pay-per-views. And you have a pay-per-view with a BS finish, quite frankly. Who, who, I mean... You're, you're invested in Samoa Joe. You're invested in Magnus as a character, as a champion, as someone who I said last week looked, talked, and worked like a champion. And now he's in this title reign that, you know, one, I think it hurts him. I think it hurts his title reign. One, uh, two, he hasn't had a clean finish in any of his matches. And I know you could say, well, it's the old Ric Flair thing. He's not Ric Flair. You know what I mean? He's not Ric Flair. So he hasn't had a clean... And I know it's not all about wins and losses. We always talk about it. But at some point, this dude has to win clean. At some point, he hasn't won clean. Abyss is... They... For for whatever reason, they really, really... He's like the Randy Orton of TNA. I mean, they love him so much. And I don't know that the audience loves him as much as the the office loves him. Uh, so then he's put into this big angle. I, I just think it's I think it's really, really silly. And I think if you're paying money to see something like you don't want to see that. Do it another way. I think I thought it was from everything I've read, from the you know, I, I did read the results, it just seemed it seemed ridiculous. Bushly. It did, it seemed bushly. And this is the thing. This is why they're always going to be second rate. I said this last week, why they're second rate. They're always going to be second rate because they do things like this. Separate yourself from the WWE. Do something different than they would have done. I know they can't be Ring of Honor. I understand that. But there's got to be something else that they can do. Now, wait a minute. Before you finish that, why can't they be Ring of Honor? Because Ring of Honor is what it is. I, you know, therefore a, a niche audience who... Um, I, I think they're for a certain audience that I'm not sure. Well, maybe it could be Ring of Honor. I, I don't know. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the way that they've been treated as of late, you, you got to think that when their contract goes up, and I think the sub the, at the end of this year, I mean, you know, you have bad influence or is just as good of workers as anybody in Ring of Honor. You've got you know Joe, who I know is not as good as he used to be, based on I think because he's just not interested, but and. You've got, and I know that you know two of those names used to be in Ring of Honor, but you've got guys in this company who can wrestle their ass off, just like guys in Ring of Honor. And I think you have at least some guys in this company who could talk a little bit. I don't understand why you can't have a Ring of Honor style. You don't have to have guys you know popping out of finishers you know forty seven times every you know every match. But I mean, why can't you have a Ring of Honor t- style and then have some people do some decent promos. I mean, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. That's not the direction they want to go. I mean, we've been saying it for years, and this is the re- they don't want to go this direction. They want to be WWE light. They think that's how they're going to get fans. That's how they're going to get the audience back. Um, 
And that's, I mean, that's what they think. It hasn't worked so far, and it's continuing not to work, but, you know, um, they're, they're going to continue to do it. And like um, I said, I'm not ripping... The second rate. And like I said, I'm not ripping the whole card. I really do think that the first half, the first two hours of the pay-per-view was good. Was actually, if you didn't have that terrible finish of the of the uh, co-main event, your title match, if you just had Magnus, you know, winning by, you know, he goes and, you know, maybe hits him with the title and he knocks him out, fine. Yeah, you, you mean you don't see a clean finish, but at least it's not something so goofy and over the top. And then you know in your main in your main main event, things just don't always things don't make sense. Bully Ray, who was the uh, special guest referee, who was a, who's been a heel and was trying to take over the company with aces and eights for you know a year, comes in and what? Because we don't. I guess the story is. Bully Ray makes his own rules and he's going to do whatever he wants. He goes and turns on Dixie Carter. I mean, I don't know why Dixie, why he would even, you know, be in this angle to begin with. And like I said, you know, they had a, uh, a nice surprise with Bobby Lashley coming back, which, you know, he looked good. He looked into it. But, you know, he, I don't want to kill the company, but you got to be smarter than what they did. I mean, you have great workers and, you know, Aries, Bobby Roode, you got the American Wolves. I'm sorry, the Wolves now. There, I mean... I call you, all right, all right. We're going to name every guy. They've got some tremendous guys. Right, but what I'm but saying is, you know, you, you have something there. Look at the segment that WWE had with Stephanie, with Triple H, and with Brian. How real that felt. Mm-hmm. How engaged the audience was in that segment. TNA never has anything like that. And they have the people capable of pulling such a segment off. They never have an angle like that. Never. What have they had an angle like that ever? They've had and it they once. Know. One time, and it was... The Samoa Joe Kurt Angle? Yes, absolutely. That, that was awesome. That's it. That's the only thing they've done. That was years ago. Very long time ago. It's got to be five or six years ago now, yeah. So they did one amazing thing. I remember watching that, and I, I thought it was great. That's it. That's it. I don't, you know, I mean, the, the, it's, it's second rate. It's, it's second rate. And that's, that's what it is. That's what I'm going to continue to say every week on this show until something changes. It's not going to change because they have the same guys running the company and the same guys writing the show. So it's going to continue to be the way it is. And they do some good things, but you can't keep messing the main event up. You can't keep messing up your top guys. Now, be- before we call this show uh, done for this week, which uh, it's been a very lively, entertaining show, I want to get your opinion on something. As much as this main event, co- co-main event, was a disaster and a turnoff, are you, I know you're doing a wrestling podcast, and you most likely feel you have to watch the product right now to be able to, when I go and decide that for two seconds I want to talk about it, do you still feel like watching Impact after what you saw or heard about after the show? Is it that big of a turnoff that on uh, nine o'clock or whenever you decide to watch it on the DVR, are you are you uh, going to still want to watch TNA for a little while, or are you done? Because this could honestly, I mean, when you listen to you know, like I said, I listened to uh, Jason Powell for an hour and five minutes on his uh, exclusive audio, basically lose his ev- eff- you know effing mind, you know screaming and yelling about, like what you were saying, it's a second-rate product, and what they did was terrible, and, you know, for that moment in time, if they if it wasn't his job, he wouldn't yeah. watch well, TNA. Well, I mean, well, there's, a, there's a thing. People get angry in the moment, and they say a lot of things. And then they say, okay, I'm still a wrestling fan, I'm still going to watch. How many years have we been watching wrestling saying, this is awful, we're not going to watch this again, and then we go back to watching it? He's going. He does it for a living. He's going to watch. Oh, it. absolutely. Going, right. uh, you know, TNA is going to get the same 1.1 million of people watch it. What, no matter whether they trap me and you out there in a wrestling match. So they're still going to get the same amount of people to watch it. It'll be fine. It'll be what it is. But I think the bigger picture is this is why they're never. So to answer your question, yeah, this would annoy me and make me not want to watch. But 
The bigger question, the bigger issue is that this is why they can never get more than the 1.1 million people. This is why they'll never get more than that, that you know, fringe niche audience. That if Ring of Honor was on every week, I think people would be into it. Um, and I think people, you know, if they were on and they had the production and, and you know, they were on Thursday night at 9 o'clock every week, I think they'd get more than 1.1 million people to watch it. I really do. Because um, they're not second rate. Because they do things the right way. Um, and they just don't have the money that TNA has. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's terrible. It's it's terrible. So. Terrible. Uh, and before... I just want to go and uh, once again, you know, before I pass it along for the last time to uh, to Jason to give our you know cheap plugs of the week. Uh, I just want to you know thank everyone like always for listening to the podcast, downloading it, watching uh, our updates that we put on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you know, su- subscribing to us on iTunes. Uh, later on this week, we're going to be putting up a second. Uh, Podcast. We did a fifty-minute uh, sit-down interview with uh, Eddie Z of the uh, not the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. That's what you're listening to now. The Kitchen Sink. Thank you. Look at that. The Kitchen Sink Podcast. Where, as you know, if you listen to our show every week, they talk about everything, including the Kitchen Sink, except for politics and religion. They have a very good podcast. Uh, we were honored to have him on this week, and uh, we spoke about. The Undertaker's streak and crowd reactions of hijacking shows. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Uh, I'd love for you guys to check it out. And uh, Jay, let people know how they can get in contact with us and uh, all those good things. All right. So uh, Twitter is the best way to get a hold of us. As I say every week, um, at work, shoot pod. I tweet uh, raw basically every week. Uh, impact if I feel like I want to be depressed. Um, the pay-per-views, Corey um, tweeted uh, lockdown, live tweeted lockdown this week. So we really are very inter- interactive with Twitter. We'll put updates up, things like that. You still don't know what twerking is, but you, you, know, so, you do know what Twitter is. No, I, unfortunately, I know what twerking is. I've had my 13-year-old 8th grade students do it. It's ridiculous. Anyhow. Um, I'm um, kind of horrified now. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, hor- I'm horrified every day I go to work. Anyway, uh, moving on quickly. So we're on Facebook also at The Work Shoot Podcast. So we have a Facebook page, The Work Shoot Podcast. Similar to Twitter, we'll put updates up. We'll put things up, um, you know, articles that we find interesting on wrestling, news updates on wrestling, links to the, um, you know, links to our podcast. Newcastle soccer team. Newcastle soccer team. Um, uh, another great way to find us, That's this, and this is where our podcast is on, is www.work.com. Podomatic, workshoot.podomatic.com. That's workshoot.podomatic.com. That has all of our um, uh, podcasts on there. Um, and so that's the best way to get a hold of us. And like always, thank you guys. And we will see you again next week for uh, the third to last Raw until Mania. And. Uh, Hopefully during these tapings that Impact has, we'll find out a little bit more of where this is going. Hopefully the creative team knows what they're doing. I have no idea at this point. But uh, for Jason Brooks, this is Corey Richmond. And uh, keep on listening to the Workshoot Podcast. See ya. All right, look. I get it. Leaving you two to fight the Wyatt three-on-two on Monday night maybe wasn't the most opportune time to prove a point. But what you don't understand is that the war isn't with the Wyatts. The war is within us, all right? Look, it's no secret. The shield hasn't been the shield for some time. But I did what I always do Monday. I sacrificed myself for the greater good so that we could get ourselves on the same page. You sacrificed? Oh, Seth sacrificed himself. I didn't realize you were making such a sacrifice when you left us for dead against the Wyatts, all right? Look, there's a big difference between what you did and what I did. I fought off. You walked off. Look, look at you guys. For the first time in months, you're standing in the same ring. You're on the same page. You're seeing things eye to eye. Don't you get it? I've proven my point. I'm already halfway there.
Yeah, it's gonna get really good. Look, we can call this right now. We can walk and go our separate ways. And guess what? We'll be fine. We're all talented men, but you know what? What if fine isn't good enough? From the moment we came to WWE, we've been kicking down walls. And if we stand together, united, no one can touch us. Not the Wyatt family, not The Undertaker, not John Cena, no one. You know it, you know it. So let's do what we do. Let's be the shield and take this place back. Is that it? That's it? Oh, that's it. That's your great, brilliant explanation by the architect of the shield. I'm supposed to be okay with that? Yeah, I get it. I get it. Ooh. All right. All right, you know what? You know what? I know what's gonna make this work. I know what's gonna make me feel better. I feel a lot better. That felt great. And you know what I think? Now that that's out of my system, I think you might need to get something out of your system too. So I'm gonna do what I do best. I'm gonna take one for the team. Because you know what? We gotta get on the same page. We gotta do it. Are we done here? Or are we done? John, that all three members of the Shield have swallowed their pride. WWE, beware. The Shield is back on the same page. Solidarity in the face of adversity. They want their yard back. <laughs>